Major Lindsay and Africa presents Bouncing Back, conversations about resilience for lawyers. Welcome to Bouncing Back, Resilience for Lawyers. This podcast is brought to you by Major Lindsay and Africa, the global leader in legal search and consulting. I'm your host, Rebecca Glatzer. I'm a managing director in the associate practice group at Major Lindsay and Africa. In this podcast, I'll speak to successful professionals about the hiccups, bumps, bruises, and setbacks they've experienced in their careers and personal lives, and how they ultimately bounce back from those experiences to thrive. Today, my guest is Dan Nguyen. Dan concentrates his practice on intellectual property and commercial matters, including patent, trademark, and other IP disputes. Dan represents companies of all sizes in various technology sectors, including wireless communications, e-commerce, and financial payment systems. Dan has experience with Section 337 investigations before the International Trade Commission, as well as district court litigations before federal courts across the United States. In addition, Dan advises clients on the creation, development, and management of IP portfolios, the acquisition and exploitation of IP rights through licensing or litigation, and the preparation of invalidity, non-infringement, and freedom to operate opinions. Dan also counsels clients on IP due diligence through the evaluation of client and competitor portfolios. Dan is recognized as a rising leader in the profession and provides his clients with results-driven and value-oriented representation. Prior to joining the firm, Dan spent the first nine years of his career with the patent litigation group at Alston and Byrne. As a first-generation attorney, Dan spends his time outside the practice, fostering the growth of minority attorneys throughout the United States. Dan, thank you for being my guest today. Hey, Rebecca, good to be here. Well, in a prior conversation, Dan, you mentioned that the Great Recession really impacted your early legal career. What happened? Sure. And and for folks out there, you know, the recession we're talking about was in, you know, 2008 and 2009. Uh, and, and I had the uh, the fortune, the good fortune of, of um, graduate, graduating from law school in 2009. And I remember um, my uh, my 3L year, um, you know, there was a lot of news coming through, you know, certain outlets, you know, above the law and things like that about, uh, you know, certain recessions, legal budgets uh, shrinking and, you know, associates at various law firms, uh, you know, getting laid off, uh, offers getting rescinded. And so, you know, coming into my 3L year, we were getting um, um, had a news of, of kind of this slowing legal work. And, you know, we there was a lot of uncertainty and, and, you know, looking back, looking back at it now, um, you know, I don't think the law firms kind of knew what, what they were doing. And so, you know, we went through our three year, you know, graduated, uh, took the bar and, you know, traditionally, um, you know, after you take the bar, you know, the first year associates start around September, October, uh, after taking the bar, um, you know, d- during 2009, during the recession, uh, you know, those starting, periods got pushed. Uh, some, you know, at first it started was, you know, we'll push it two months, we'll push it to the new year. Um, then they were going to push it uh, uh, else time, uh, just kind of a few months on the road. Um, in my experience, the firm that I started at, um, they kind of gave, you know, the associates uh, uh, an option of, of whether to, to go work uh, at a public interest um, uh, fellowship for a year. Or you know, just kind of sit at home and and kind of wait until 
potentially there was more work to to be done and they'd call us in. Uh, so that was kind of the, you know, the, there was a lot of uncertainty at the time. And, you know, where I, I guess looking at, you know, the economy now and, 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 and how law firms are kind of approaching kind of legal budgets now, I, I, it feels kind of very, very similar. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember that time well. I graduated law school in 2006, um, took the bar, had a job, um, but I was in real estate. And as we got closer to 2008, um, things started slowing down. I just remember it kind of fell off a cliff, um, you know, in late 2008 just got worse and worse and worse in 2009. And it's kind of terrifying for a bunch of different reasons. Um, you know, one, it's sort of your your identity. You work so hard as a, as a law school student to get through it and to pass the bar. But for myself, I had student loans and I was kind of freaking out, like, how am I going to pay these? This is not good. Um, what did you do? What, did, what, what choice did you make in terms of um, whether to go work in public interest or, or go at home or, or to do something else uh, when you decided, um, you know, to stick with Alston? Sure. You know, and I was very fortunate. Alston and Bird, um, you know, they, they made the very generous offer of, of letting us, um, you know, uh, have a choice of, of going to public interest and they'd give us a stipend and we'd get a lot of experience to that year, either working with, you know, a, a public defender or D, the DA's office or, you know, a nonprofit and doing and going down that path. Um, you know, since I was going to be focused on IP and patent work, I kind of really wanted to kind of get that started. And, and traditionally, you know, patents and IP uh, litigation is, is generally recession proof. And so, the, you know, I thought well, perhaps if, if, you know, if anyone was going to get called in first, it was going to be the patent folks, and that that proven to be true. But you know, I I decided you know let's um, you know stick out, stick it out, and I'd stay at home. And during that time, you know, I found you know odd, other odds and end jobs. You know, I tutored the LSAT um, for about six months. I taught a couple LSAT classes, did some private tutoring. I and I went so far as started tutoring high school students. You know, chemistry. Mathematics. I had to relearn calculus to to, to teach those <laughs> folks. Uh, it was truly. I mean, it was it was it was fun in the sense that you know I got to like kind of relive, um, you know, those kind of subject matters, things like that, and also take the LSAT again. Um, but it was certainly there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty, as you can imagine, uh, oh. of when we could start, you know, and things like that. And I think I, I mentioned to you, you know, I'd, I'd graduated from high school, moved on to, to Georgia Tech, lived in, on campus went to Athens, lived on campus there. So it, it was seven years since I'd lived at home. And then, you know, after graduating, taking the bar, you know, I had to go back and move back uh, and live with my parents for for a little bit until I got called up. Mm, it, it's hard to go home when you're, <laughs> when you've been away for that long and, you know, mom and dad are like, you know, here, move into your old, you know, high school room. I think you mentioned they gave you a curfew again. Yeah. Which, oh. Oh, that's tough, uh, for sure. You know, it sounds like, Dan, you, you know, kind of coped with the situation and the unknowing um, with, with, with keeping busy, right? Um, and I was more curious if there were other sort of tactics or things that you've employed in order to get to this really difficult time, because it's, you know, it sounds like Austin was pretty generous and there was some money coming in and there was some way to kind of make a way, um, but mentally, you know, for me, at least, I'm remembering that time, it, the mental part was, I think, the most difficult. And I'm, you know, for folks that might be in a similar situation right now or be or fearing that a similar situation is going to be coming up the road, you know, what other advice might you have for them? 
Yeah, no, it was certainly tough because, you know, I don't think anyone plans on going to law school and, and you know, after you, you finish your summer associate, get an offer, plans on, you know, ever going back home and doing these certain things. And, and you certainly can fall in the trap of, of kind of feeling, you know, self-pity and, and, and doubt and anxiety. You know, I think the kind of the it seems kind of basic, but, you know, a lot of the things I did at the time was a lot of exercise, you know, kind of working on just wellness, eating, eating healthy, those things don't really seem like it affects your mood, but it really does. Uh, so, so doing those certain things, you know, also just talking to people, you know, I mean, uh, my mentors at Austin and Bird and, and the partners I worked with during the summer there, I would be in constant contact with those folks. And so, uh, you know, that was helpful. You know, I didn't expect full clarity on, on what exactly was going to happen, because I think at that time, no one really knew what was going to happen, and, and no one had the crystal ball to kind of see where the economy was going and what clients were doing, but just just talking to those people and kind of being, you know, uh, as candid as possible about how nervous you were, and, and, and I think that invites them to be candid to you about, you know, their plans and what they can do, because I think um, – uh, that was always kind of helpful, um, you know, doing other things, um, you know, I said before, exercise, spending time with family. I mean, like looking back, I was I was so glad that I could, you know, spend time with my my family and things like that, because once you start your career as, as an attorney, uh, you know, a, a lot of, you know, unfortunately, being being an associate at a big law firm or at any firm, uh, it takes a lot of time. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I got to spend some time doing things outside of, of just, you know, the billable hour. Your your parents probably like that too. <laughs> I think <laughs> so. Probably just to, to to an extent, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, how long did this period, uh, you know, for our listening audience, I'm a big, I'm curious, how long was it? How many months was it before you were called back to the firm and sort of allowed to kind of take on this associate role, uh, you know, full bore that you'd been offered back back in law school before before all the chaos of the of the Great Recession. Sure. So I took the bar in July of 2009, you know, got the results later that year. We were supposed to start, start in September. And then, you know, the firm said, you know, we're going to push it back from September to, to January 1. We'll see what happens. You know, ultimately, uh, it was probably mid-March, so March 2010. So that was probably six months um, before I was tr traditionally originally supposed to start. And during that time, you know, I said beforehand, I, I did a lot of tutoring, a lot of exercise. I actually did uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, domestic family work. Uh, <laughs> and it's, you know, apparently uh, the joke that I always tell people is, you know, divorces aren't recession proof. They're actually probably, uh, you know, recession motivated. So uh, business was thriving for for divorce lawyers out there. So did a little bit of that, um, uh, you know, and it's given me a little bit of perspective that you know, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm stuck with IP because that's probably more suited to my uh, my strengths. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. When I got out of real estate, I was like, what is recession proof? And I ended up getting into family law and stayed for a bit before I got into recruiting. But um, I, it was it was exactly what I was, you know, your thought and my thoughts were aligned. I was like, what's recession proof? What is still going to be thriving? And for a good bit of time, um, family law, divorce law was recession proof. Things got so bad, um, you know, in the bottom of 2019. 10 that I think even, you know, we were getting phone calls from people saying, I can't afford to get a divorce right now um, <laughs> because my husband or my wife or whatever, we're both laid off. But, but you know, in a future date and time, I'll be calling you back. Um, so uh, for, for better or worse. So um, that makes complete and total sense. We, being flexible, I think, is key in these kinds of situations. I'm curious, Dan, you know, your, your situation is much different now. Uh, you know, you have a nice book of business, you are a partner. 
um, at, at Morris Manning, you, you know, tell me you're on the hiring committee, you know, you're helping to start making decisions for the firm. You know, how did that formative experience um, impact, you know, the way you think about the things now as a partner? Sure. I, I think that one of the other things, uh, you know, before we move on that, that I learned from, you know, kind of the early start, the early kind of uncertain start of my career. And that certainly happened to a lot of other folks. I mean, I was very fortunate that that I, I you know, I started with Alston, you know, the, the firm that gave me an offer. A lot of my classmates certainly did not uh, start at the firm that gave them an offer. And then they, you know, a lot of them were going to be slated to be corporate M&A folks or real estate folks, uh, you know, as a, as they, you know, kind of concentrated during their summer associate practice. And they had to pivot. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, I talked to a bunch of them at the time and it was a struggle and it wasn't, you know, the their favorite path, but they, you know, they endured and they they made the best of it. And a lot of them pivoted in a way where now they're still practicing 12 years later, practicing in this in, in their uh, their practice that they had to pivot to and they love it. And others, you know, who had offers at big law had to work at small regional firms or local firms and work there for three to four years and then, you know lateraled over to a bigger firm and now they're thriving partners at you know these big law firms so you know what what, what it's told me uh and in retrospect is that you know there's a lot of ways to get to you know whatever practice you think is is the one you want that, that you think you're successful at um i was lucky that mine was a little more straightforward but i had a lot of classmates who who kind of took the the road less traveled uh and i think they're better lawyers for it i think they're more grateful folks grateful lawyers for it. And I certainly am too. I'm, I'm certainly, I, I don't take anything for granted. Uh, I think that that's kind of a lesson, a hard lesson learned from, you know, the, the attorneys that graduated in the 08, 09, 2010 um, um, time period. And I think that's, that's kind of made me, uh, uh, you know, really appreciate the clients that, that have given me and trusted me with their work that, you know, I'm happy to have it. I'm grateful uh, to have it. Uh, Cause I know that as, as, as hard as hard as it was to get the work, it, it's really easy for them to switch from, to another to another provider, and so I, I don't take that for granted. Absolutely, no, that's great. And then you know, touches on um, I think gratitude is so important no matter what you're doing. Um, and it, you know what you said, you know, touches on um, you know another question I wanted to ask, uh, which I'm sure would be interesting to our listeners, which is you know. How did you, you know, starting off as an associate at Alston, um, you know, kind of grow a book of business and get clients? We've talked about, you know, I know that you were a first generation attorney, just as I am um, when I was practicing and, and curious about um, that piece of it. And, you know, how you sort of thought about building your book of business, building trust. I, I, I don't know if uh, this might be me projecting, but, you know, the, one of the ways to ensure security is to have your own clients. <laughs> Um, and and I would imagine that that might have factored a little bit into um, you know the, the growth of your practice. But can you share a little bit about your thoughts, Dan, related to um, you know building a book of business and advice for junior associates who might be thinking they want to make part um, at a firm versus going in house? Um, do you have any advice about that? About you know kind of how to embark on starting you know to build your own book? Yeah, I mean I think there's a, a number of different ways to do that, and I, I always tell people. You know, law school prepares you for a lot of things, but it re it really doesn't prepare you for the actual practice of law. You know, I always say I always compare it to the LSAT prepares you for law school as much as law school prepares you for the bar, as much as the bar <laughs> prepares you for the law pra the, the practice of law. I mean, 
you know, it's so it, you've kind of kind of find your own way. I think there's so many ways to build your own business and you kind of find the, the way that it works for you. Uh, you know, I think what's common among, I think the, the folks that, that have, uh, you know, large practices and large books of business is at, at a base level, you know, you need a master of the craft to some extent, you know, so, you know, I always tell my associates the first two to three years that you're in practice, your only job is to kind of master the craft, to be the best, you know, attorney that you can be, best associate you can be, learn if you're an M&A, kind of learn the deal, how deals work, what uh, motivates your clients to, uh, you know, to do certain things for litigation, really understand how to write, to research. You got to have those basic skills uh, first. You know, I think I think it's an evolution when you're starting to come third, fourth, fifth years, uh, really understand what the client wants and what the partners want and, and how you know, your clients think. Um, I think that's always important because you really can't sell value and provide value to your clients unless you you know you know unless you know kind of what their motivations are, what keeps them keeps them up at night. Um, and even being proactive about you know they may they may not be thinking about things, but you know you want to let your clients and potential clients and your contacts know that you're thinking about them. You know there's sometimes I read articles and I think oh, this this is something that my client should know about and I'll forward it to them. Um, you know, and, and to let them know that I'm thinking about them and I'm thinking about their practice, even even if I'm not billing. And so, you know, I think what I've done uh, and it's still, you know, I'm, I'm still not perfect at it and I still working on it is is it's it's kind of like growing a skill set of, of, of in habits of in making sure that, you know, your clients know that you're thinking about them uh, and, and that, you know, you have the, your, their best interests at heart. Um, and then also at the end of the day. Uh, coming into a relationship, knowing and, and and knowing that you can provide actual value uh, to their situation. Absolutely, no, I think that makes a lot of sense, and you're right. You know, law school doesn't teach you how to sell, and this is ultimately what you're being asked to do um, as a partner in a law firm. No, great, great advice for our listening audience, Dan. Um, you know, to me. Uh, thinking about some of the questions that I was getting from junior folks in 2020 and early 2021 when things kind of came a little bit to a screeching halt due to COVID and also sort of reflecting back uh, on my time, you know, dealing with the Great Recession personally, you know, it, it takes a lot of resilience to be a lawyer, right? Um, you know, there are folks that probably, you know, in your midst uh, or from your law school class back back in 2009, who just threw their hands up and said, I'm not doing this. You know, this is a sign from the universe that I don't need to do the law. Let me go be a yoga instructor. Let's go back to my former profession or whatever. Um, you know, there were other folks that may have become depressed and had a hard time kind of, you know, powering through. And I think there's a good bit of resilience that it takes to get through something like that, um, like job loss or, or yeah. you know, reductions and, and, and a difficult time worldwide. Um, but it also takes some resilience to um, build a book of business, because I'm sure there have been times where people have said, no, thank you, or they've gone to the competitor across the street or whatever. It happens. Um, you, know, you can't you can't win them all. You know, I'm curious where the strength and knowledge, um, help or assistance um, to be resil resilient uh, comes from for you. Well, you know, I think, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, like, I think most of the folks that go to law school, you know, they, they really, um, they, they really never, they, they probably professionally and academically have rarely ever experienced failure. 
yes. and that's why I think it's so hard when you know your first nose that you get are probably from when you're applying to law firms and you know you're getting nose there and you know you, you first you, then you get a job and you lose your first motion or lose your first case because you know I mean litigation you know oftentimes is a, is a zero-sum game there's going to be you know a, a party that you know wins a motion or loses a motion or gets the verdict or not uh and it's it, it can be hard I mean because I think when you're litigating at, at you know this at this kind of level uh you know it's it's sometimes all-encompassing and it's it takes part of your life because you're spending so much time on it uh and then you you get a you get a you get a you know a, a verdict that doesn't go your way uh especially in my case I, I you know i become very good friends uh i have good relationships with my clients and so i i, I partner with them and so i feel the loss as much as they do um, and, you know, for me, and I, in earlier in my career, I, I, I took it hard and I still take it hard now. But I always think to myself, you know, um, how great is it that I, I get to do this for a living, that I, I get to, you know, achieve, you know, uh, you know, help people in, in need, whether it's businesses or whatever. And they're trusting me to kind of, uh, you know, help them get out of this t tough situation. And I always tell them I don't guarantee results. We can yeah. never do that. Um, what yeah. I, I I can guarantee you them is I'll be thoughtful and intentional about it. I I and I'll give them you know the you know uh, good solid legal advice. That's not guarantee results. And if I do that and I you know lose a case, I you know there's there's a little glimpse of 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 kind of uh, something I can I can hold on to. So you know I I still gave them the best I could. You know I, I can't guarantee results there. So that helps with with you know resiliency. Um, also, just to know that, look, you're not defined by, you know, one loss, whether it's, you know, a law firm saying no to you or, you know, getting laid off if that, that happens to you or losing a case. That doesn't define you. I, I think what defines you uh, is how you bounce back from it. You know, a good example of it is, you know, I had one senior associate who got skipped over, skipped over for partnership. Not and then there was no fault of of that person. It was just that the pipeline of, of attorneys and partners that were getting promoted in, in that class was just was just in a way that she had to get um, skipped a year. And I told her, uh, you know, it's easier to give advice than take advice. I, know, I completely understand that. But I told her, you know what, we're all going to be looking at you to see how you, uh, you know, act and bounce back from the news that you're going to get skipped for partnership. Uh, yeah. And then that really defines who you are and also defines, you know, your perspective on the practice of law and, and, and being at this firm. Uh, and, you know, she did a great job and, you know, she made partner the next year. And I, I'm very sure uh, that, you know, obviously she'd want to make partner earlier, but, you know, that it, it really didn't it, it only affected her in a, in a positive manner that she's she's taken it as extra motivation uh, to kind of, you know, just to express. Ex propel and exceed in your career. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great advice. Uh, I have a friend who usually tell me, you know, everything happens for a reason, and it's hard to stomach when you're really invested in a certain particular outcome. Yeah, um, but I think that's true. I think you know, not to sound sort of hokey or spiritual, you know, the universe has a plan in some form or fashion, and sometimes that failed experience or that hiccup or that bumps, you know, catapults you into doing something much better. Um, or being better at the thing that you want to do. So I, I, I think that's that's great advice. Well, um, we're getting close to time here, and I want to ask you one last question, Dan. Um, you know, the last year, few years have been particularly difficult for everyone. Um, you know, due to COVID, you know, the 
murder of George Floyd, a certain yeah. other world events. Um, I think there's a lot of attorneys who are junior at law firms these days who were not in, you know, um, the market uh, during the last recession and weren't able to lose, you know, learn those lessons firsthand. And I was wondering, um, you know, what advice you would give newly minted attorneys who may not have experienced this type of industry tumult or personal tumult um, before? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, Interesting. You know, I, what I would say, you know, the best piece of advice I, I I got was, you know, just don't be in a rush. You know, the practice the practice of law in your career is going to be 30, 35 years. And, you know, I get it. You know, lawyers, law students are competitive. Lawyers are competitive. You know, that kind of that kind of personality trait kind of lends itself to going to law school and, and seeking a legal career. And we're all competitive to a sake. To, to a point, but you know, don't rush it. You know, the, you know, don't rush getting your first job and, and thinking that this is the most important job in the world. There's a lot of people who, and as you know, and Rebecca, switch careers and they lateral over and to to do to do something else and pivot to do something else. So just don't be in a rush to it, because like, you know, to my point about you know the, the the person who who got skipped over for partnership, you know, it's it's not a race to become partner in seven years. You know, and and if that's your goal, like yeah. you know, which is fine, it's a, it's a, it's a fine goal to have, but it shouldn't be the ultimate goal, um, yeah. because it may happen, and that's great for you. But then, what are you gonna do for the next twenty eight years of right. after you become partner, right? right? Um, it's it's not a race. It, it you know, you should really focus and not on the time it takes to make partner, but how you're making partner in the yeah. sense that you know you're making partner to firm or situation that really supports your you know lifestyle whether it's work life balance or your your career goals um you're making partner in a group that that you of people that you you respect you're making partner in a in a firm that has clients that you really want to work for and that you want to see succeed um you know those are the things that that really should be the focus and that's it's hard to kind of think about it because you know you you're seeing your other colleagues make partner before you or you know uh, you know things like that but really, you know, longevity as a partner is 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 really kind of based on not not how fast you make it, but like what where you're making partner and and, and how you're treating it. You I mean making sure that you have all the tools and, and that you have the pathway and and the work and support um, once you get into partnership. So, you know, the best advice I can give you uh, is if you're a junior associate or or, or a three L two L law student uh, coming into practice. You know, don't get discouraged about, you know, a, you know, a law firm saying no to you or if you get laid off, getting laid off. It, you know, it happens for a reason. And what you can control is is how you how you kind of um, react to it and your perspective and your attitude towards it. And, you know, if it if that blip in your career makes you make, you know, become partner two years later, that's fine. Uh, and it's always going to be fine. And you're probably going to be better for it. Uh, and so don't rush into your first job. Don't rush to, to make partner um, because you've got plenty of time and your career is going to be very, very long. So, you know, um, it's easier said than done. And it's perspective that I've gained over time that I certainly didn't have when I was just graduating. Um, but it's, it, it, has, it has rung true uh, to, to, to date. I think that's I think that's wonderful advice, and I, I I amen all of that. Well, Dan, I just want to thank you so much for giving me your time and being so open and honest with me and our listeners today. 
I know they will get a lot out of this this conversation. I have gotten a lot out of this conversation, and I want to thank you again. Absolutely. Happy to help and happy to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Bouncing Back, Resilience for Lawyers. Join us next time for another story about thriving after overcoming challenges. You can find Bouncing Back and other programming for lawyers on MLA's Legal Talk Network.